Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. So let me begin by making a very profound statement. Men and women are different. Why is that important? Well, studies show that women influence 85% of all consumer purchasing decisions, including everything from cars to healthcare. Women account for nearly half of the workforce, and that's a winning combination in anyone's business. Unfortunately, many companies overlook the fact with that higher percentage of women making decisions, we don't always know how to communicate with this market effectively. Now, while men and women don't always have the same opportunities, one career path taken by many female entrepreneurs is sales. And in most cases, the playing field is even. Now, there are still differences in the way we do business. So let's start out with one of the major key gender differences in communication style. Men are generally transactional. They want to get straight to the facts and close the deal. Women are more relational. They want to develop a relationship first. Women are known for building relationships. Women have relationships with everyone they know and everything they buy. Now, men will exchange information and women will have relationships with the information they exchange. With transactional sales, we see the salesperson has a product or a service that's in need of a buyer. The product is the focus instead of the customer's needs. Relationship sales are customer-focused rather than product-focused. And in this process, the client's involved and the solution becomes a joint venture. This process is based on the idea that a long-term relationship is being developed. Now, another communication strategy found more often in women is the increased importance of asking questions. 
Men will ask questions to gather information, while women will ask many more questions to both gather the information and begin to cultivate a relationship. Now, for someone who doesn't understand why, these extra questions may seem incessant, but women understand that the more questions that are asked, the more you'll find out about your client. This is your time to be interested, not interesting. Okay, so men will concentrate on facts and figures and are closing the deal much more quickly than women, but women are focused on connecting and solving problems together. The styles are different. Neither is right, neither is wrong, they're just different. And for those that both see and embrace those differences, it will most certainly be a difference that if you work together, the relationship will be powerful. Now, here's the truth. Asking questions will begin the relationship with your client and listening will cement it. And asking questions means two different things to men and women. So let's understand those types of questions. They'll help you figure out what tools are in your toolbox. Because if you understand how men and women communicate, it'll help you understand which are the tools to use. So. There's a difference in how women and men approach asking those questions, how they ask them, how they react to them, how they decide to use that information. Remember, the core difference is the way that men and women communicate, transactional versus relational. Now, let's see which one is easier to deal with. Many people would rather work with men because they make a decision faster and they ask less questions. But the truth of the matter is women want to make sure that there is a relationship there so they can count on you. In business and in life, we're all in sales. So whether you have a sales title or you're selling yourself within your company or in an interview, keep these three questions in mind when it comes to making the sale. The first is, what are you trying to accomplish? What's the goal of your questions? Set an agenda about the key points you need to get across or the facts you need to gather. You want to take your time to do this right, but you also don't want to waste anyone's time. The second is, what types of questions should you ask? Well, to begin a relationship, you need to ask open-ended questions. To get specific facts, ask closed-ended questions and clarifying questions. And use a variety of these kinds of questions because you'll get the information that you need as well as you'll begin that long-term relationship. And the third is, who's your customer? Know who you're speaking to and ask questions that will either gather the facts and get to the point quickly or help you to dig deeper so that you're building that relationship. Your goal is to make the other person's life and job easier. Understanding and embracing the differences between men and women in your company, your team, your office, and your clients will create an environment of success. And as the saying goes, from their differences came understanding. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. And when we come back, you're going to hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about what it means to be equal, what it means to have economic equality, and the empowerment of women. So this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we will be right back. What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the glass floor, seven essential qualities for women who lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense, glass-half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life. Uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, 
Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. Okay, hang on. My guest is Madeline Pratt, the founder and CEO of Fearless in Training. This is going to be such an important interview because Fearless in Training is a creative consulting agency specializing in helping ambitious fintech entrepreneurs with marketing, branding, and business development. Madeline has spent her career serving as business development leader for technology companies ranging from small startups to large publicly traded entities. In addition, she's the founder of Women Talk Money. So welcome to the show, Madeline. I am so excited to have you here. I could not wait for today to get here. Me either, Judy. I was really looking forward to it. It was when I got up this morning, I was like, today's the day. I was totally pumped. Yay. Okay. So first let's talk about the discussion of the day. Women and men are different. What does that mean to you? It's interesting because I'm I'm raising two boys. So I'm a mom of right now a two and a half year old and an eight-year-old. And I think about this all the time is the ways in which we're different. And for me, a lot of my career has been defined by the fact that I was the only woman in the room But the importance of bringing that different perspective to the table really changed the strategies and shaped the ways that the companies I was working for ended up being successful. So I think that definitely men and women are different, but we bring different calibers of talents to the table. And it's critical to recognize those differences and encourage people to be themselves so that they can show up and shine and bring something unique that allows business strategy to evolve and be something a lot more successful in the long term. So when you think about the roles that you've played and the industries that you're in, and yes, technology is majorly male. I come from insurance, majorly male. Why is it that it's so difficult to find the right place for talented, qualified women? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with people drawing on their networks. I think about when anybody goes to hire, the first thing that you do is you think about who do we know? that's a fit for this role or who is somebody we know who knows somebody who's a fit for those roles. And you know, a lot of the early stage tech companies were started by men, which means that they were drawing on their networks, some of which were historically biased, especially in the software development space. We've seen a lot of like historical literature come to life about how people claim that the right persona to be a software developer meant you were a man. But what I think is the challenge of our time is recognizing that Consumers of technology are not men. In fact, there's a lot of women these days who are leveraging technology, and we all are going to be needing technology more and more in the future. COVID has just amplified the need, particularly for cloud-based technology. And so companies are going to have to really diversify their networks and lean on recruiters and other people to tap in and bring more diverse voices to the table so that we can be not just working with teams that are more diverse, but also creating products that can be adopted by the full scope of humans that really need to leverage technology during this time. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense. So think about, you know, entrepreneurs that are just starting out, starting a business, and they decide that they want to make a difference in the world, which is what most entrepreneurs want to do. And yet we still find that there are, I'm using air quotes, boy industries and girl industries. Mm -hmm. So how do we invite more women into these male-dominated industries as an entrepreneur, because I look around and I still see the same types of things. Okay, go back to your, your boys. Mm-hmm. When my children were little, there was only pink and blue. 
clothing. That was it. And now you can get black and you can get orange and you can get green. So it has changed that part of the world, but the technology and the, the industries still haven't done that. Do you think that technology is just an easier route for, obviously for men, but do you think it's an easier route today for women than it was even five years ago? I think it's improving. Like for me, when I started my career in tech, there were not women in leadership positions. The first company I worked for, the second anybody stepped across that middle management row, there was like, I believe one woman in our company. And it was an organization that was about a thousand people by the time I left. And so there were just not women leaders kind of modeling the fact that you could have this successful long-term career in tech. I do think that is changing and I can look around and see peers in the industry who I want to emulate or who are operating at my level. But I think that we've also got to make sure that we're reaching downstream to pull younger Mm. women up into the profession. For me, when I was in college, I didn't even know that, that the career I have now was a possibility. And I think that's where a lot of the shortcomings are is there's not a good recruitment pipeline. There's not enough people coming into universities or even in high school situations to educate young women about the opportunities in technology. And so I really see that as the responsibility of women leaders like myself to step up and get involved and give back, whether it's in the nonprofit sector or with being a part of school environments so that young women recognize and can look up and see, oh, I want to be like her one day. Maybe I should try out a, a career in tech. That's a very important topic is the mentorship and the being a role model and so on. And we always talk about empowerment for women. And everybody has a different definition of what empowerment means. What does it mean to you? Empowerment for women really, to me, means women having all of the same choices as their male counterparts. So much of my life and my decision-making has been decided for me simply because of the body I was born into. And I think it's really critical that women have choices and have flexibility, particularly as mothers. For me, it's, it's really about getting to a place where who we are doesn't define what we're able to do in the world. And it starts with education. You know, Personally, for me, if I hadn't had access to quality education that really empowered me and showed me the possibilities of who I could become, I don't think I would have gotten as far as I am today. But I still know way too many women that are having to choose between childcare and working. For example, in mm. this COVID moment, I know a ton of women who have had to quit their jobs to care for their kids. And I think until we have equal access to childcare and have more resources that allow women to pursue the careers that they want, we're not going to get to a place of equality. And so empowering women is really making sure that they have the support around them they need to be able to be free to make those career choices that they aspire to. What is economic equality? Mm-hmm. So this is a big one for us. So, so we say at my company, Fairless and Trading, we say we're on, on the path to forge founders towards entrepreneurial equality. And entrepreneurial equality is really about that freedom to choose. So my background, I worked in corporate environments, I worked in startups, and I found that I was constantly having to compromise and not achieve the same outcomes as my male counterparts because I was a mother. And so for me, it was this thing of, man, if I really want to play with the big dogs, if I want to earn as much as possible, I'm going to just have to sacrifice. I'm going to have to sacrifice and let go of time with my family. And I'm not going to be able to watch my boys grow up. And I would even look up and see women leaders and CEOs I admired, and they would readily admit their nanny spent more time with their kids than they did. And so for me, 
economic empowerment and economic equality is about leveling the playing field so that everybody is able to achieve the things that they want from their life. And that's totally different for every single type of entrepreneur. But what I found for myself personally, and what we talk about inside our company, is that if the corporate environment isn't working for you, if it's not flexible enough, if it's not paying you well enough, if it's not recognizing and acknowledging your ideas, that's an opportunity to take those things and become an entrepreneur and carve a path that the playing field starts from your own abilities rather than the structures that have been created around you that might hold you back. And then the responsibility of of those folks for creating those companies is then to bring that into the organizations they build. And so for me in my own company, everything that I wished I had, whether that was flexibility or quality pay or time off, I have to not only have that for myself, but I have to provide that for my team. And so we Mm -hmm. empower entrepreneurs to not only carve that path for themselves, but hopefully grow companies big enough that they can then pass all of those things onto other people. Because whether I like it or not, we still live in a country where we don't have universal childcare and we don't have universal healthcare. And those, quite frankly, are the steps that other countries have leveraged to really get to economic equality, particularly for women. And I don't know that we can continue to wait for government to make those changes. And so I see an opportunity for entrepreneurs to come in and set that new standard. That's not something wildly new, Judy. Like Google has been doing these sort of things for a really long time. And they've also even shown with data that, for example, giving women six months paid maternity leave actually saved them, like, I mean, millions of dollars. And so there's a lot of economic reasons to also create companies with these kinds of cultures. But I think it's really about entrepreneurs realizing they can create a better life for themselves, and then they can do the same for their teams once they build them. Well, it's interesting because the great equalizer that we've seen in pay scale and in opportunities is sales. Yes. Because you really are paid on what you bring in. Most great salespeople are commission-based. You get paid on what you bring in. And if you work hard or you work long or you work different or you work however, you still can have the same pay scale. But we're still seeing that that is one industry. I mean, men don't love sales, but women really don't love sales. So as an entrepreneur, isn't that one of your biggest challenges is to actually do sales? I teach and talk and train about sales all the time because I'm really passionate about it. But I definitely think that for women entrepreneurs, it is the biggest hurdle because we often think that we're being... Like it comes up against all these things, we mythology we have about money, that it's impolite to talk about mm-hmm. money and we don't want to be pushy. And we've all, you know, had terrible sales experiences. And so we don't want to come off as that. But what I really teach and, and talk about a lot is the importance of solution-based selling. So solution-based right. selling is just anchoring ourselves in this understanding that if somebody's coming to your company, it's because they have a problem that needs to be solved. And if you're the right person to provide that solution then you're creating success for them. You're creating great outcomes for them. And why would you not present them with that appropriate solution? And I think that women need to kind of really step into their value a little bit more to understand what they bring to the table from a sales perspective and recognize that these are opportunities to build relationships and offer solutions to problems people have rather than just feeling like, oh, it's icky to like talk about money or to, to tell somebody to pay me for this work that I could be doing for them or this product I might be delivering. Yeah. And, and I always tell people and they say to me, what's the secret to sales? I say, stop selling mm-hmm. really, because it's not what it is. It really is a conversation. And yeah. when you 
you know, when you have the solution and I need it, or I have the solution and you need it, it's a conversation. I ask you questions, you ask me questions, and there's the solution. So I just, you know, I always think like, oh, please just stop selling. And I promise you, it'll be a much different experience. Yeah. So tell us about what a fearless founder kind of qualities do you look for in being part of your feelers training? So there's, there's a lot, but one, one of the core ones is being ambitious. We call, you know, kind of our members and the people we work with ambitious entrepreneurs. And that might seem like a little bit of doublespeak. It's because I think we've got a little bit of what I like to call entrepreneur culture right now. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. Shark Tank has like totally glamorized what it means to be entrepreneurs. And I, see way too many like posts and stuff on social media where people will be like, oh, you can just work like two hours a day and you'll be an overnight success. A, I call BS on that. But B, I really want to work with people who believe that their businesses can change the world. And so you've got to be ready to like eat, drink, sleep your business all day long. And so those are the people we're really after. But beyond that, that change maker factor, it really comes down to people who see their business as something bigger than just a way to create wealth for themselves. I don't think there's anything wrong than with wanting to make money. But I think that as business owners, we have this really powerful opportunity to be what I call a conduit of commerce, where we can be bringing money in and mm-hmm. filtering that towards the things that we really value or the things that we really want to see in the world. So for me and my business, you know, I care a lot about making sure that women get paid well for their work. So I see myself as a conduit of commerce and I can sign these big contracts or get more members into our programs or sell new new courses because that allows me to pay my team and grow my team that much better. It also allows us to give back to the causes and charities that we care about. And so we're really striving to be partnering with people who see their businesses as an opportunity to play a lot bigger and maybe as a way to, to take a mission or a value that they really, really care about and change they want to see in the world and use their business as a way to propel that change and make it happen even faster. You know, it's interesting you say that because my very first business coach, well, my very first business coach, period, who happened to be female, she was awesome. And yes, she was ambitious and she was amazing. But she told me that the way that she became successful and did things, and, and like you said, slept and ate and drank and everything about her business was she changed her mindset. She went from being the worker bee to the CEO. And the CEO's job was clearly to make sure that you could pay everybody else. There was no one else on her team, but she could pay everybody else. She brought revenue in. And when she changed her mindset, all of a sudden, everything else changed. So sometimes I think it's mindset. And then she also teamed up with other people. So the question is two parts. How important is mindset and how important is collaboration? I love these questions. So <laughs> so mindset is everything. When I first became an entrepreneur, I really didn't recognize how critical mindset was to my success. I had been running other people's companies for a number of years and I was really confident in my roles there as, as a director and a leader. But I realized the second it was just me getting out of bed every day and like believing that my work was valuable and that it would lead to great things. It was in the toilet. Like I'll be real honest. And I went through what I like to call entrepreneurial anxiety, which is where you're just running around doing all the things like hoping it'll pay off, but you're operating from a place of fear, not from a place of strategy. And so what I really had to start doing was entering myself into spaces where I could be surrounded by other entrepreneurs 
that even though we weren't necessarily working together, we were talking about our businesses all the time. And it made me believe that my work was valuable. It made me see the bigger long-term picture. It, it allowed me to compare notes and collaborate with other entrepreneurs to learn from what they were doing. And that really shifted me and held me over, quite frankly, to the point that I had a team of my own. Now, I'm going to just say that like one thing I really kick ass at is team building. And I know how to run a company. I know how to run a team. But it was that early stage where I was just on my own where I hadn't done that before. And so I really needed to work on my mindset. And now it's just daily practices. You know, It is the ritual of meditating every day. I am constantly reading personal development work to ground myself as a CEO and a leader. I'm constantly thinking about how am I not just improving myself, but how am I improving my team? And the mindset that you have to bring to the table as a CEO is very different. It's mm-hmm. all about delegation. It's all about strategy. It's all about seeing the bigger picture and steering the ship and making sure that everybody on board knows where you're headed and feels like they're really a part of that mission. So mindset is hugely, hugely important. And I think it's also a really cool opportunity for entrepreneurs to become better people, quite frankly. I think I'm a lot higher caliber of person because I'm an entrepreneur, because I do that self-work. And I have to do it consistently. To answer your second question, I like kind of hinted at it, but collaboration is huge for what we do. So we even have a program called Learning Lab, which is entirely collaboration-based. I just believe that if I'm ever think I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm like totally (laughs) in the wrong room. And so we create member content, we create events, we create all sorts of, you know, social media promotion where we're collaborating with people, whether that's members or people that I recognize and I want to emulate in the space or just people who have pure content that we could share. And I think collaboration is huge because I never want to be in a position where I think I know everything. And also if somebody's better at something than I am and it's not what I strive to do or make or sell, why would I not highlight somebody else's business? Because I know that those things pay off and together we we kind of all rise. So I've really made it a huge emphasis of my business to just build a really strong network around my companies that I can partner and collaborate with so that we can grow together. Absolutely. And I always tell people to make sure you build your relationships before you need them because when you need them, it's too late. So you constantly want to nurture them. So if you could describe the perfect day in the life of Madeline Pratt, what would it look like? Oh, okay. Today's pretty close. It's I like, granted, I'm only halfway through, but it's, we've been on a good one. So first things first, I wake up and I work out. I just have to have a physical practice as part of my day. So getting up, doing about 30 minutes Pilates or bar or some sort of kind of physical activity like that. I used to be a dancer um, in a past life. And so just having that physical practice is super important to me. After the dance or the fitness, I would get into just getting myself ready for the day, getting you know my makeup on and getting myself dressed in an outfit that makes me feel awesome. And then doing some meditation. So before I engage with my phone or with kiddos, I try to, to meditate for about 10 minutes and set a little bit of intention for the day. Wake up my kiddos, cook them something homemade and hopefully healthy, get them off to school. Sometimes my husband helps with that aspect, which is nice. <laughs> and then I get into to my company. So I, I like to be the first one into the office always. It just allows me to just like set myself up for the day. In the morning, it would be a meeting with my team just to get everybody on the same page and see what's needed from me. Then hopefully somewhere in there, I have time to work 
on the business, not just like doing business. So that could be writing for my book that I'm working on. That could be having a podcast conversation like this, but anything that's going to like really just get those creative juices flowing. And then in the afternoon, I'm probably spending some time with our high caliber clients. So we do some large scale consulting arrangements with tech companies and and other entrepreneurs that are we're really kind of their outsourced marketing team. So I usually spend my afternoon with those clients just in strategy conversations, figuring out what I need to delegate the next day to the team. And then I wrap up my day with a last round of email, head off to get my kiddos from school. And then hopefully I would spend my evening maybe watching something on Netflix, having a nice homemade meal and hopefully getting to bed at like a reasonable hour. I've been trying to be better about bedtime lately. That sounds like a pretty perfect day. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. So we have to just put it out there. So it happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So what's the best advice you can share with women in leadership positions? Don't be afraid to make bold moves. I am a person who I think I just like missed some of the the fear programming. (laughs) And so I was never afraid to ask. Or, you know, even in many cases, I was unafraid to just plow ahead with my ideas and then ask for forgiveness. I think that a lot of times women hesitate to step into their ideas. And that can come from a lot of places. Maybe it's because they've been put down or even stolen in the past. But I think that we as women, you know, need to do our best to overcome that fear to bring our ideas into the world. And we also need to recognize when we can't make those moves where we are. And what I mean by that is, I like to joke that like God in the universe tells me that I'm in the exact right place when a woman comes up to me and she goes, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own company. Can I talk to you about it? And you would be surprised, Judy, but this happens to me everywhere. Mm -hmm. I could literally be in a Starbucks and like not know a soul and some woman will start this conversation with me. But the reason I say that is because women have so many big, beautiful ideas for starting businesses and they're just sitting on them. They're sitting on their hands. They're waiting for somebody to invite them to the table. And the world is not going to wait for you. (laughs) There's nothing more frustrating than having a great idea and seeing somebody else execute. And the difference between an entrepreneur and a entrepreneur is the entrepreneur actually takes action and starts something and puts momentum behind it on a regular basis. Be big, be bold, believe in your ideas and really, you know, invest in yourself to bring them to life. I love that. That's a great, great thing to remind women about. That's wonderful. So how can our listeners get connected with you? So I'm on about every social media platform under the the sun. So that's a great place to start. Um, You can just look me up, Madeline Pratt on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Madeline K. Pratt. And then on LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm Madeline Pratt. Other ways that people can connect with us is coming to our website. So fearlessintraining.com is our primary company. And then our little sister company is Women Talk Money, which is a a network for female financial advisors to connect with each other and also with industry opportunities. So that's women. Women is spelled with an X. So W-O-M-X-N, talkmoney.com. Awesome. Well, Madeline, I want to thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. I love your perfect day and I hope it happens more often than not. You've got tremendous information and I'm excited that we got connected and I look forward to creating some adventures together. Thank you so much, Judy. It was an honor to be here. Thank you. And I want to leave everyone with this quote. No matter where you are in life, inspire and empower the women around you. Success is never reached alone and wisdom and wealth are sweeter shared. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. 
Now make sure you stay connected with us and remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.